Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the PhD Podcast. My name is Mitch. Of course, you're joining us. You're here because of Pittsburgh Hockey. This is the second edition of the truncated season. We didn't get a chance to start until recently, and I'm glad to see everybody out there has enjoyed the last podcast. And we're here today at the Clearview Ice Arena, the renamed Lumberyard, Robert Morris uh, Colonial. Lumberyard, that was it for Mitch. I'm calling this the Hurt, the, the, the hurt Bank. Well, you, of course, you hear <laughs> Gary Heeman. Haven't even introduced him yet. He's already jumping in. But I'm used to working with him. He's one of my buddies on the uh, Action Track podcast that I produce. And he's our uh, men's writer for the Robert Morris Colonials here at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. But he calls it the Hurt Locker. And <laughs> we're talking about the Colonials. I, of course, just covered the Robert Morris women's team getting hit, uh, basically swept by the Penn State uh, Nittany Lions. It was the first time they got swept in five years in February. So um, I'll be bringing that up on PhD po- uh, the next PhD podcast. This week's going to be truncated. i got a couple other things going on. So we're going to talk a little bit about the men's team right now with Gary Heeman. I'm going to actually officially welcome him in now after he jumped in. Gary, how's everything going, buddy? Oh, happy to jump in anytime. No, I'm doing great, Mitch. How are you doing, Will? I'm welcome doing back. all right. Welcome back to the arena. Great to be here. We haven't really had too many chances yet this season, but uh, thank goodness we're able to get some games out there. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a weird kind of season, and um, it's been a good season for the Colonials so far. They've made the most of it. You're talking about the number 20 in the nation, Robert Morris Colonials. They actually yeah. got that number back this year. <laughs> uh, long time coming. Been a couple years since they've seen that uh, that recognition, but... Um, this team seems a little different than teams of the past the last couple of years. So what are we seeing from this team this year that's actually bringing that to light? Well, I think we've, uh, we've seen an infusion of young talent that are just quite honestly helping them finish what a lot of, a lot of the bulk of last year in the offensive tech started. Um, last year, uh, the Colonials played hard, put shots on the net towards the end, and um, you know weren't always getting rewarded, especially in the second half. Mm-hmm. And um, had a lot of great goaltending from Justin Cablemaster, who's uh, moved on at the end of his career. Um, and they simply weren't really getting the pucks in the back of the net. Um, you know they uh, they could generate momentum, they could ge- generate you know odd man breaks, um, they could control the puck, they could control the play. But at the end of the day, it's how many did you put over the line versus your opponent. And we saw a lot of close one-goal losses and low-scoring games that didn't go the Colonials' way last year. But still, I mean, it was a decent season where, to the point of when it all shut down in March, it was a unit that had, you know, soundly defeated Holy Cross 5-1 to one here to move on to the next round against Sacred Heart. And it is a Colonial tradition here that you know, they just don't seem to lose in that second round <laughs> of the Atlantic Hockey Playoffs <laughs> come hell or high water. So we were all interested in, the, in, in seeing where uh, – this season might wind up for the Colonials, and of course, uh, just like it got, you know, the rug got swept up from everybody then back in March and that that horrible Friday there. But um, you know, we're back at it this year, and what can I tell you? Um, a lot of things have grown for the Colonials in terms of maturity, in terms of doing things they were doing fairly well into things they are doing very good now. Um, when I look at the team overall, I'm looking at a team that has a quick strike capability that wasn't there. That's uh, in part thanks to some new additions. Um, Jordan Timmons came in from the University of Connecticut and was very, very strong early on. Could mm-hmm. not have gone better for him in the first few games. Racked up eight goals at the start of his Colonial Hills career. And you know, he had a, a freakish injury right up against the boards where he kind of fell with a lot of weight on it. Um, you know, he is still in the injury process and the rehab process and the coming back process. Not sure about a timetable yet. Um, but hopeful to, to see him before the end of the season and the end of the playoffs. 
Um, it started right there with that big piece coming over, a junior forward, a transfer from UConn that, quite frankly, wasn't getting an opportunity where he was. Mm-hmm. I'm looking back now at UConn's coaching and, and leadership there, and you're like, how the heck did you miss? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say you missed, but you really did miss because we are grateful to have Jordan Timmons as a part of this colonial organization and this team, and he had shown what they were missing. Um, it's been great to see. He's had great hands so far. Um, can't get him back in the lineup quick enough. But you know, holding the fort until then, let's talk about the players who are here now and incoming this year. Part of that jolt I was talking about was Randy Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, he, he put up 95 points in juniors, Mitch. I mean, I don't care what league you're in. Um, we should not be uh, <laughs> looking to say, oh, he only did it in the USHL or only did it in the, the AJHL or whatever you know, you know, junior league he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got USHL experience, which means he's you know among the cream of the crop. Not only that, but when you talk you talk in terms of um, what he brings to the Colonials, it's speed, speed, and more speed. Now, having said that, I've seen speedy players that really got to the net and had no clue as to what they were doing next. Um, not only does he have speed, Mitch, he's got a plan with that puck, and it, that plan is to shoot and put some slippery ones on some goaltenders at the right time. And he's had that stick mm-hmm. and those wheels so far. It has really turned into game-winning goals for the Colonials, big goals when they needed them that weren't happening last year. And you talk in terms of the, rec- the returning team that you know looked really good towards the end, rolling into the playoffs that might have been able to, to advance. Um, Grant Ebert, who had his season cut short with injuries, mm-hmm. you know he was riddled with them, has come back and he's the leading scorer this year. Um, you look at Nick Pukusik, who's been a steady force as a power forward for this team for years now. And he has really, you know, kept that leadership mantra up, not only in the locker room, but on the ice too, bringing it both places where he's able to throw in goals as they need and require as well and keep, you know, the defensive accountability of the forward lines he's working on. Um, you look at terms of, you know, further development. Look at Justin Adamo, who's really having a, a really good point year um, production-wise for him. With five goals and six assists, good for 11 points right now this season in 12 games. Um, you know, I, I think we're all waiting for that Adamo to, to arrive, yep. and he has arrived. Um, you throw in those players into this situation, you add the supporting cast of the third and fourth lines who are getting it done. We're talking about players like Aiden Spellacy, Nick Lalonde, Kyler Head, Gavin Goulash shows amazing potential on that fourth line, and um, Darcy Walsh as well when he's been in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, has shown that they've not only got top two lines again that are really solid and can score at any given time, but a deep forward attack for the Colonials that can get offense coming off of the bottom two lines as well. Yeah, you're looking at those players, and you're talking about next man up now. I'm going to take it another step further. You look at it, you take Jordan Timmons out of the equation after the injury, and Matt Guerra comes in and has a heck of a game during his time that, yes. you know, in the replacement puts in what, well, I think he had one goal during that game? Correct. They do not miss a beat. Um, you know, it's just, it's strange. As you mentioned, next man up. Um, Mac, yours has been um, fantastic, um, showing the, the skilled hands and when to take that shot the perfect time and put it, you know, where he wants it to on the net. These are things, like I said, that weren't happening last year that are finally tipped the Colonials' way due to their perseverance and hard work. Mm-hmm. And um, really, uh, it's just a, it's a thrill to get to watch them come out and see the best they can be. Ranked 20th right now. They're 9-3 and three heading into this weekend. And I truly do believe that um, you know, it could be a very special season for them. Would be remiss, though, if I did not mention one player. Um, you replace greatness with a question mark going into the offseason because we took a, a legend out of here in Justin Cablemaster and Annette. 
mm-hmm. that hadn't he really... He a quick legend, too. Quick legend. Of, yeah. But, I mean, anybody that had seen him play at Ferris State knew how yeah. great he was. Um, he came in here and gave us a solid year, a great year. And then behind that, we had a question mark, and that is not to say that Dylan Meyer and, and Reed Cooper are not uh, very good goalies. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither one had a, a tremendous amount of time in an NCAA net. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, you kind of have to go with um, a situation where you bring in a freshman. That freshman was Noah West, and you know you kind of leave it as an open competition. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Everybody had a chance to earn that job, and sometimes you have to take your opportunities and run with them. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a 2021 year old freshman that hadn't played a minute of college hockey. We've seen it happen before in colonial history where somebody takes it and runs with it. And Noah West so far has run with it to the tune of a goals against just barely over two. The nice thing about Noah West, too, is you always have that safety valve in a Dylan Lubesmeyer who yes. has played exceptionally well during his time whenever he had to come in and fill in, whether it was Kappelmaster, whether it was Marat. It was an opportunity he took, and he took care of that. He did the job. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, could be more pleased. Noah West shows a lot of poise. Here's what I like about his game. Um, you know, doesn't give you a lot of net. He's very quick to go back and forth with it. Handles it well. Gets from post to post very well. But one thing, he's got a lot of poise. And poise is the first word I think of, and a lot of other people think of it, the same thing that I've mm-hmm. seen him play so far this year. Poise is the first word. He's unflappable back there for a freshman. He's not flopping around. He's not um, expending too much energy and getting out of position. He's right where he needs to be and lets the puck hit, and lets the puck hit him. And I'll give it some credit to the Colonial defense, too, that have cleared some rebounds and worked to keep him from seeing a, you know, a huge siege you know, at the right moments. I wanted to touch in on that defense. Now, last couple years, you've seen that transition from an offensive defense to a defensive defense, especially losing Eric Israel and all your major shooters in the last couple years. Now you're starting to see that role, and the person that's leading most of that is a guy who's been around for basically as long as I have, and that's Nick Jenny. Um, <laughs> that's been a nice little homecoming for him to be yes. able to come out and show what he can do in his true senior season. And... He is just leading by example because all the other defenders are following to his lead. And you're talking about players like McCallion, who last week we'll talk about that in a second, but what he just did. But talk about that defensive core and what they're doing this season. Nick Jenny's been fantastic. I mean, it's a a continuation for Nick Jenny. We saw this last year um, where he definitely took that power play up a notch with those those shots from the point. Mm-hmm. He was getting him through, but not only that, I mean, if you're looking to activate defensemen, he activates incredibly well, has the wheels to get back if he has to, mm-hmm. um, but when he does activate, it's as good as having another forward in that mix up front mm-hmm. um, for those brief few seconds where he goes in and, and helps chase a player, helps you know work the puck to the front of the net. Um, you want a guy like Nick Gently handling that puck because he handles it so well, and that shot of his is a shot you can trust. Um, I don't really, right offhand, I don't have the, uh, the shot percentage number in front of me, but um, it seems like that would be, it have to be a, a fairly good yeah. percentage right about now because he doesn't waste them. When he puts them on, you know, they're going to have a good chance. Um, looking at the rest of the backward line, or the, um, the back line right now for the Colonials, um, I'm coming up with um, a bunch of guys that really have been you know, pieces that can go in and out. We've seen some Jeff Lawson come in from time to time and play. Um, we started the year with... Um, Excuse me one second here. It's okay. With David LaFrance being a bit more into the mix um, than he is, and Bradley Stunnell too. Um, we haven't quite seen as much of them lately. We're going to see David LaFrance today um, on D3 with Nolan Schaefer. Schaefer and McKellian, as you mm-hmm. mentioned before, have been bedrock for the Colonials defensively. I mean, they've been you know plus players 
They've been you know, guys that need to step up and, and do what's necessary, and they have been. They keep their responsibility and their defensive awareness as you know, the focus of what they do. They do exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's make sure that we don't have anything to write or talk about with them because they're just sound and quiet oh, yeah. when they get the job done, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And shout-out to one, 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 one really quick one, Mitch. Shout-out to yeah. freshman Brian Kramer is getting better every single game. They, they really like him, along. and I, I followed yes. him since when he was with the Penguins yep. Elite. So trust me when I say I really liked whenever they decided to whenever they signed whenever they signed him to a letter of intent, and I knew what they were getting out of him, and he has just shown every bit what I expected out of him, and it's amazing seeing. That's one of those things that we talk about as a regional coverage that covers amateur hockey. Yes, you see this genesis of players. You look and you see uh, both Kramers, Roman Kramer and Brian Kramer, spelled differently, but you look at each of them and out of the area now you look how many locals are actually in here or who've come through the pittsburgh area and johnstown and youngstown now you're talking about players who have really came through the area it's starting to show after the last couple of years and this is the genesis of west of western pennsylvania coming to robert morris and it's a wonderful thing especially when you're looking at you know how well they're playing right out of the gate i mean we didn't talk we don't talk a lot about roman kramer but that's the same thing as the defensive style he comes and he plays he does exactly what he needs to do they seem like they're very high on the kid absolutely you know i think we still have some upside yet to come with increased playing time as his career progresses too mm-hmm. i think there's some more uh, more production numbers come out of roman kramer mm-hmm. coming forward in the rest of this year and then the next two seasons overall there's not really a lot that they would really you know need at this point to to make that much good on as far as improvements go. Um, I'm sure there are small details in the game that probably they could get better at. Overall, the one thing that they have to do a little bit better job of, they're kind of up towards the front of the country in the amount of penalty minutes and penalties Mm -hmm. taken. Um, You can't win games in the box. Um, I don't know, and maybe only Coach Schooley and the assistant coaches and the players can tell you this, um, because I haven't seen some of the – one or two of the road games I've not been able to see yet. But um, I, I generally, from what I've seen, um, I wonder if some of the penalties are just because we're out of position a little bit, mm-hmm. and then a couple where maybe you know we should have should have maybe held up a little bit, you know, when when faced with a with a a guy in a precarious position, mm-hmm. and kind of followed through with it. And there's just some a couple of discipline tweaks maybe when they're when they're you know checking really hard and when they're uh, up against the boards that they need to watch out for. But overall, if they can cut down those penalty minutes, it'll only help them as the playoffs get closer. Yeah, you talk about that, and you're. you're talking about maturity you're talking about players growing into the role of a division one hockey player and that doesn't happen overnight you don't get to see that as quick as you would see in a lot of other sports it has to takes a little bit of time in hockey because there isn't much of a size difference but the speed and skill is a lot different whenever you're from from a freshman to a to a senior year so it's a big thing right there now we just let's uh, talk about where we're taking it though i mean for those that don't know they haven't really followed too much there's not really yeah. been a lot online here lately um yeah atlantic hockey uh, procedure right now is basically the same as it was, except for um, you know, the one rule that we started the season with, and that is that we play in our own pods, and that Air Force can play in both pods as is necessary mm-hmm. for them to get their games in. Um, and, and that's going to break down into an Atlantic hockey tournament with uh, two best of three rounds, and then you know the final four at a destination. I'm, it has been in Buffalo. I'm thinking they're still kind of wondering at this point, due to COVID where that might be. Everything's to be announced. We, we yeah. have no clue. I've like, asked questions. Like, like life nothing. has been. Yeah, life has um, been. We don't know anything. Much. We could be done in like a week. Who knows? As at far this as, point. happened last year. As far as NCAA tournament Hope goes. Not, but, right. yeah. As far as NCAA tournament goes, um, I'm hearing some bits and pieces. Uh, first bit I heard was, 
I'm trying to find out the exact source from it doesn't really ring you know come across my memory but um, at least a minimum of 13 games to get in to be considered as a qualified. All team. this is pure speculation at speculation this point. Speculation yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, there was from the NCHC commissioner uh, an idea about taking past year's performance into account. I'm told some coaches like this. I, as a journalist, I really don't like it. I want to keep whatever the NCAA does for a tournament this year. Let's keep it to this year, definitely, mm-hmm. and the merits of this year. I mean, because this year has been like no other. I mean, I've got, you know, we've got 12 teams right now, I believe, if I'm correct, 11 or 12 teams that will not touch the ice this year. Oh, um, yeah. And that is a thing that, you know, doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, you know, we're doing this kind of by the seat of our pants this year for those that, you know, don't follow college hockey religiously. Yeah, we're making this up as we go along here. And, Basically, um, that, that's the best way you can put it. I mean, it is. every day that you get to play is a, is a gift at this point. It is. And I have to credit uh, you know, Derek Schooley, uh, Marty Golosi here, and the entire uh, RMU Athletics Department mm-hmm. for enabling this team to play a lot. So there were some universities that just said, oh, no, you can't. Um, hats off to RIT, who uh, went to their university president and said, oh, yes, we can. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we're rewarded in doing so. Um I, I think that they've created an atmosphere here that, you know, has a, um, not a good safeguards mm-hmm. against COVID in place. Um, they're doing things so far the right way, knock on wood. I mean, COVID's out there, and it could affect any one of us at any given time. Mm-hmm. But they've done a good job so far of um, keeping it from disrupting the season too much compared to a lot of other schools out there who have been going through some issues. Now I'm going to be posting this right before the game, so it's actually going to be out there today, oh. tomorrow. A lot of people aren't going to listen, so we're going to talk a little bit <laughs> of a hybrid of what happened, where we're going. Um, we're going to talk about the opponent this weekend, sure. which is the Niagara Purple Eagles. Yep. And if you're talking about Berg Hockey like we were just talking about with the Robert Morris Colinos, there's another team that matches up with them, and that le- leads from head coach Jason Lammers, who was a locally grown head coach. And they're running players such as Luke Edgerton out of Wheeling, Eric Cooley, and... Uh, Christian Gorshak, of course, the defending, well, he won't be defending, but he is the NAHL player of the year from last season, played for Johnstown, had a phenomenal season, set a lot of records out there. So, you know, you talk about those players, and that game on Thursday night, <laughs> was mm. that Thursday night? Yeah, it was a fun night. It was a fun game, wasn't it there, Gary Heem? Oh, it was a great game. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a case of a, yeah, taking another team's best chances and, and coming back and striking up with your own. Um, mm-hmm. The Colonials take an early lead. Uh, it gets equalized. Colonials go down a man, or mm-hmm. go, go down them 2-1 to one and come back with a goal to make it 2-2 and then find the winner in overtime. Uh, both goals coming off the stick of defenseman Brendan McCallion. Um, and the last one is straight Harlem Globetrotters. Tic-tac-toe. Oh, my. That should have been sports bets uh, in our top yeah. 10. I watched it, and wow. that was like he went exactly. There were... <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was Sean Giles. I saw respond on Twitter. The former yeah. Robert Morris Colonial was responding to that tweet. It was, uh, and he just said, it was "Finally, you know, going in the right place, right time." And that's exactly what you need to do. Oh, absolutely. And I was a bit concerned when it first opened up. I was like, "Okay, this is the first time the Col- I believe um, Niagara had already seen at least one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's two, uh, three on three overtime episodes." And I was like, "This is our first three on three overtime." Um, of the season, and it probably is one of those aspects that normally is for most college hockey programs. That's something that you just don't spend a lot of time mm-hmm. practicing, yeah, because um, you're trying to get you know the most out of your five on five. I mean, mm-hmm. every team that opens up, you know, 
prepares and drills for the start of the season and the things that kind of implement and go as you go forward are two things, the power the power play and the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to terms like that, and we see the Colonials, they kind of got off on a, on a wrong foot there with the penalty kill, and they had some guys mm-hmm. out of position. They, they're tightening that back up, though, and you can see the progress is being made there on the penalty kill. Um, you know, but this is the first time they um, really had a three-on-three, and I was like, Okay, let's see if they could just you know handle the puck and possess because you know, on a three on three anymore puck possession is nine tenths of the win. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, when it comes down to it, and it looked like they were just taking chances mm-hmm. and, and not keeping possession of it, and they're mm-hmm. kind of you know they weren't biding their time. They were just going right at the net, and Niagara was getting possessions back. I'm like, okay, let's see if that comes back to bite them. The minute I said that, there's the turnover in, in neutral ice, and they're mm-hmm. gone, three-on-one, yep. um, tic-tac and toe, and that toe and was I, Brandon yeah, McKelly. And we were talking about that, and I think what was one of the three out there, Randy Hernandez. Right. and, and he, set the, he set the playoff off the wing. As I watched that play, though, I, mean, I believe Hernandez is the, uh, the first assist on it. Yeah. It looks like Randy has a great chance to bury it right there yeah. at the corner. He's got a sharp angle, but I'm sure it's one that, you know, he, given his sticking ability so far, you know, you trust him with the shot. And it's almost like I can't tell because I'm out of the, uh, the level of the ice, you know. But it almost like he, he looked off and <laughs> just knew he was, McKelling was right there at the slot. Yeah. Um, it looked like he was almost faking to go like, oh, I'm going to shoot, bang. No, I'm so not. I'm going to raise a question to you right now. Sure. As somebody who's seen this team and watched a lot of Division One collegiate hockey over the years. Yeah. A true freshman coming in, put in on a three-on-three opportunity to make that type of play. What do you say about them as, you know, from a coaching standpoint, knowing how most of them think at this point, knowing a lot of stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll we t- always say you have, right. you know most about this program other than Derek Schooley at this point. So, uh, I'll tell you what, when it comes to freshmen and a lot of younger players, mm-hmm. um, especially ones that have scoring acumen, so I can already mm-hmm. tell you this much about Randy Hernandez, and I love it already. It's the fact that throughout his career, even in juniors, mm-hmm. he's been told and coached about what he needs to do defensively to get better. Mm-hmm. And got better. And that same set of incidents happened here at Robert Morris, I believe, where you know they brought up aspects of everybody's game that they can improve on all the time. And I think once again, he you know he answered the bell and you know has responded to that challenge. Yeah, I've seen play. I've seen freshmen come in here and um, you know first year players that had a lot of skill that really didn't pay a lot of attention to that mm-hmm. and just said, okay, that may be well and good, but. I'll use it for a shift or two. He'll see me back checking. Then I'm going to go hang out and cherry pick. Mm-hmm. You catch none of that off Randy Hernandez. Okay. You were really high on him whenever we brought in. Yes. You liked him. I remember you talking about that. Yep. While we were up at Learnerville Speedway, you're like, just pick, pay attention to Randy Hernandez. <laughs> this kid is going to be something dynamite. And yeah. so far it has been nothing but, a, you know, they're high on him and they're, he's proven every bit there. So it'll be fun to watch his career as they move along. Um, Absolutely. So we're moving into tonight, into the future. Of course, next week they are no. We have had the the series with Canisius postponed. So yes. They got two games here with Niagara here at the island. Um, what do you see going into this, especially now being able to see the uh, two teams together face each other already once into a two-game series? Um, it's it's almost like welcome back to the minor leagues, Gary. I used to, <laughs> I used to I used to write a little bit for Intercrease.com back in the late '90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s. And um, this is straight minor league hockey where you see the same team uh, three times in a row on a, on a given week or a weekend. Mm-hmm. I remember one time in Asheville where I watched Asheville and Knoxville play like four times in five days. <laughs> it got ugly. It got ugly bad, and it got ugly in a bench-clearing way in the minors. It mm-hmm. won't here because we're part of USA Hockey and we don't yeah. you know, embrace the, 
the sort of fisticuffs that could happen when you know two minor league teams you play get, four times in five days. You get comfortable. <laughs> Let's just use the term yeah. comfortable with each other after the second into the second and third right. games. So. so I don't expect us to to really get. It's going to be. A, it was going to be a, a bit of a hard hitting series coming into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that it still will be that. Um, right now, it's just adjusting to the things that you didn't feel like you did well the, the game before. And improving those mm-hmm. as you go along. Um, you know, for Niagara, they're going to come here, and they're going to want to get on top of this team. Mm-hmm. They want the first I, – I will say this. If I'm Niagara tonight, I want the first two goals, mm-hmm. and then I want to play it our way, you know, to where we're pitching and you're catching. Oh, yeah. If you're the Colonials, you just want to say, we're going to play our game to play the, play the way that we want to, which is to, you know, get some, get some turnovers working, go directly at your net, Spring players with you know good passes that are you know going to hit um, the receiver stick and not go off into Neverland mm-hmm. and you know take our chances and be smart about how we're doing so and go back and help Noah who's doing a great job right now because you know like I said I mean it's it's Leap, what, the, the difference AHA player of the uh, goaltender yep, of the month goaltender so. of the month. So there's a lot to trust for the Colonials. They trust their goaltender. They trust that they're going to come up with goals at the right time. And that's been the mantra mm-hmm. so far throughout 12 games and their 9-3 record so far. They come up with the goals at the perfect time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gary, we'll, uh, we're going to close this up here. I'm going to ask you open form. Anything you need to say about this team? Anything you want anybody to know? Um, just, uh, just that this team, could, like I said, it could be a special season. Um, I'm looking at that break next week um, against Canisius, and half of me is going – I want to keep the momentum rolling forward. The other half is saying, let's take a bit of a break. You know, just you know, spent a lot of games. That's the one thing that is going to be different if you're following along with Colonial Hockey this year is that these student athletes are going through more games in less amount of a time than they've ever had to before. I think there were 13 games scheduled the month of January alone. That's normally You're normally talking about eight, maybe nine at best, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially if you don't play till you get back to campus, um, where it would be seven maybe it's going to be a situation where they're going to have to work through injuries. They're going to have to take care of themselves. And the fitness level is going to have to be, you know, up there throughout the whole season. They're going to have to watch what they do, watch how they treat their bodies. And not only that, throw the outside element of COVID in there too. Mm-hmm. They've got to watch where they're, what they're doing, where they're going, um, where they're spending their time, whom they're spending their time with. Yeah, plus there's their studies as well. Um, it's a lot more than your average 21 through 24-year-old is going to be able to manage very well. <laughs> That's why I've always said about college hockey, like these kids and these programs amaze me with what they are able to do at such a young mm-hmm. age. That's one of the things that drew me to college hockey in the first place was the remarkable young men playing in it. All right. Thank you, Gary Heeman. Once again, that is Gary Heeman. I am Brian Mitchell. I Thank you for listening to this edition of the PhD Podcast. I will be back next week with hopefully the first PIHL version of the year. Um, Games start this Friday, I'm sorry, this Monday around the league after the little shutdown in winter. I'll be uh, hopefully back in the rink on Tuesday. I was supposed to go out Monday, had some issues, and had to change my schedule around. So I'll be out Tuesday and Thursday, I hope, this upcoming season. Don't know where yet. I'll let you guys know when I know. Want to thank Gary Heeman for coming on with me live today from the Clearview Ice Arena, the new name of the Lumberyard, the Hurt Locker, as he aptly named it. I was going to call it the Hurt Bank. The Hurt Bank. I'm sorry, the Hurt Bank, not the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Bank here at the island. Once again, I am Brian Mitchell. This is the PhD Podcast, and I will see you in the rink.